Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I believe we all have a gift, a psychic gift, but it's how we develop it. And if we tune in even now through meditation, through visualization, we can shift that limited focus that we have and transcend the physical body through meditation. And many people are doing it now because they're looking beyond themselves and looking inward to see where can they reclaim their God, their spirit, their oneness with creation. And the journey within is the hardest, but it's the most beautiful. Welcome to the new season of the Not Perfect Podcast. I'm your host, Poppy Jamie the author and founder of the award-winning app and best-selling book, Happy Not Perfect. This is our time to take a break and go within to unlock ourselves in a new way and stretch our thinking. Whatever you are going through right now, I welcome you into this conversation with a new inspiring thought leader each week to help us thrive, rise and realize our full truth and unlimited potential. As you might know, if you read my book, I'm passionate about us becoming flexible in our thinking. And that starts with some mind, body, and soul healing. So let's dive in. On today's podcast, we will be speaking about life after death with the most wonderful author, healer, counselor, and often described as the spiritual midwife, Marielle Ford Clark. Marielle has dedicated much of her life to helping people rethink the end of life and supporting the transition from the physical to the non-physical. After experiencing her own near-death experience and where she was pronounced dead on the operating table, but she returned to life in a few minutes later, and this event totally changed her life and her understanding of the meaning of life. In her book, Where After, Where Do Our Loved Ones Go After They Die, Marielle weaves the science and the spiritual to create a beautiful, heavily researched book that soothes the soul by sharing a possibility for what happens after we depart from our reality as we know it. Marielle was a self-confessed skeptic before her own experience and is here to guide us through her learnings from helping thousands of people gracefully return to peace. What is a favorite quote you return to often and why? For me, the most significant and the most profound is one by Mahatma Gandhi, the one that the weak can never forgive because forgiveness is the attitude of the strong. What I have found, Poppy, at the bedside of the dying, it's the regrets that people have that they didn't forgive. The families that come after 40, 50 years where there was no communication and then forgiveness happens there. I know it's happening towards the end, but it's such a pity that that forgiveness hadn't been bridged 40, 50 years earlier. So it's about letting go, letting God and not holding anger and resentment within our bodies because it does not serve as well. Wow. What a powerful note to start off on. 
What's a life lesson you've been reminded of lately and why? It's so easy to judge others, to judge situations. But for me in particular, because I work with a lot of people uh, after suicide, a lot of families after suicide, not to judge anybody, not to judge any situation because we do not know. And as the old Confucius used to say, do not judge me until you walk two moons in my moccasins. So that is a principle I try and live by on a daily basis. I'd step into the other shoes, no matter how big they are or how small they are. Well, I think all of us can join you in practicing that daily. I can't wait to ask you the next question because your book really does address this in its entirety. But what do you understand by soul? The the soul is the essence of who we truly are. I have done amazing research into the soul, but I have also seen the soul with people that are about to make their transition. And I've been humbled and blessed to see the soul. I saw my mom's soul rising from her physical body hours before she died. So the soul is our consciousness and the soul is our machine, the engine that drives us around and carries us in this incarnation. But without the soul, we are empty vessels. So it would be like you take the engine out of your car, your car is going nowhere. And the car could be, you know, an analogy of the physical body. So when our soul exits the body, it's the physical body that that houses our soul. That is returned to the earth or returned to ash. And the soul, our soul, is immortal. It is that huge immortal part of us that transitions and lives on and decides whether it comes back again. And the soul has been much discussion poppy for thousands and thousands of years, going back to Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, and even later Swedenborg and Descartes. They had much debate. There was much debate and argument about the soul and where it was. But one commonality they all shared, even through the different centuries, was that the soul was the most magnificent and divine part of the human psychic. And there is a wonderful research by Dr. Pin Van Lohman, who was a who is a Dutch cardiologist. And for him, he said that there is a consciousness and it is the soul. And it is beyond the brain and beyond the physical body. So that without the soul, we are non-existent. Mm. So to me, the soul is that divine, precious part of us that keeps us ticking. It drives our minds. It drives our consciousness. It drives our heart. It drives our thinking, our movement. It is everything. And we are part, we are just part of it. I find it, and your book reminded me about this, you know, as you said, the soul had so much presence in ancient literature. And Mm -hmm. I feel like earlier civilizations celebrated the soul, recognized the soul so much more than we do now. Why do you think this understanding or are even like addressing the soul has gone away and I kind of feel it slightly re-emerging? I suppose it's re-emerging, Poppy, in the last hundred years in particular because of the near-death experiences, because of people uh, like the wonderful renowned doctors that are now stepping forward and giving their credentials to the fact that there is afterlife existence. But the afterlife and the journey of the soul has been hugely documented 
for as I said, it goes back to the fourth century, mm. even to like Plato and Aristotle and that kind, even Socrates and and Pythagoras, who was one of the the wonderful mathematicians of all time. He actually had witness to his own after death experiences, his own reincarnations. They were highly intelligent beings, mm. highly intelligent, and they didn't have Mr. Google like we have now, you know. But I think now is the time there is a huge spiritual awakening upon, upon Mother Earth. Now is the time that we know we are more than our five senses, that we are multidimensional beings living in a multidimensional universe. And we limit the body by our thinking, by our thoughts, by restrictions, and, and we limit it. But with, when we go beyond the mind, because the mind is really our servant, and we are the masters of our mind. So it's so important that we embrace our spirituality. We embrace our uniqueness. And by embracing it, we embrace the multifaceted beings that we are. So why are you so passionate about the afterlife and decided to write? And as I said in my introduction, like one of the most beautiful books I've ever read. Where did this come from? It's amazing. The afterlife became a huge passion and quest after my own near-death experience in 1992. And funnily enough, Poppy, at that time in my life, it, I was in a very, very uh, loveless, chaotic marriage. And having been diagnosed with this advanced cervical cancer, it was like a blessing. And I said, great, I can die now. I don't have to tell anybody that I'm living in this horrible, unbalanced marriage. And uh, in Ireland, that time, Poppy, there was no divorce. We were just beginning to have laws brought forward in relation to having legal separation. But in Ireland, you didn't tell anybody anything. You shush. Everything was behind closed doors. But with my near-death experience, I had the most amazing journey into the afterlife, into the heaven. It was so beautiful so peaceful, the music I heard, the grace, the symphony of love, the experience of undiluted love was so pure. So I will never forget it, never, ever. And, and then this hand came out through this beautiful golden light, like a stop sign. And it was like, no, you don't cross. You don't come any further. And three months later, when I went, was going to end my life, because I wanted to find that peace again. The same hand, but my father's face came on the doorway, the door I was about to go out to end my life. And so my journey, there is a big part of the, the three hours that I had intended to end my life. And the three hours later, there it's lost time. But I've been told since by my guides that while I was in this like a holding zone, they were restoring and re-energizing my soul that was fragmented through all the traumas. And what I have been so reassured by my guides is that all souls, those that transition through suicide, all of them are brought to the other side, all souls. And the suicide souls, they are held in a, like a holding zone when they cross over. Loved ones bring them across, like I see with ordinary people that, that are about to make their transition and the veils open 
loved ones past, bring them to the other side. And then as they are, it's like time for restoration. I'm told it's time for restoration for them. And then when the soul has rested, they're gradually awakened to the reality of their death. Then they're shown their life review as to where life went wrong for them. And then like that, Poppy, they get the opportunity, if they choose, if the soul chooses to return later into another lifetime, and they will be presented with the same challenges, but in the next life, that they, it is hoped that they will be able to master it. They'll have the courage, the strength, and the wellness, the mental wellness to out-challenge whatever is being presented to them. Obviously, your near-death experience actually correlates with thousands of other people's. And in your book, it heavily goes into the research of physicians and doctors and uh, many of their accounts of similar visions of this mm -hmm. kind of light. I would love for you to share what some of this research is and what are some of these correlated memories of, of what might be next. Okay, that's a very powerful um, question, Poppy. And now, and I suppose it started... Uh, in the last hundred years, I said, but in the late 60s, it was Dr. Elizabeth Gubler-Ross that really pinned the, the, and coined the phrase, um, you know, death and dying. But she was ridiculed, Poppy, by her cohort because they said she was off the wall. They said that there was no way that, there the, you know, that the body, the consciousness survived death. And then in the late 70s, Dr. Raymond Moody was the first guy with all his research to scientifically prove that life continues after death because he did so much research into the near-death experiences. So, and then we have more recently, we have Dr. Ivan Alexander, who was the neurosurgeon. He wrote Proof of Heaven and he's still being ridiculed by people saying he's a phony. But I mean, his credentials speak for itself. And he did say that life on the other side is real but also God and soul are real, you know. So there is so much there. And then even going back to Einstein, mm. I love Einstein, Poppy. Oh, he, mm. I love him. But Einstein said that the only thing that science can prove is that with certainty, it can prove nothing at all. That's <laughs> what I loved. And I had, it was my guides were saying something about this and Einstein and research. And I had to go looking. I had to search volumes and volumes of his quotes. But there it was, and I have it in where after. But there, there is so much, uh, like not just doctors, not just physicists, not just psychologists. They all believe in, in an afterlife because personal, from their own personal experiences, Poppy. But Dr. Brian was, he was just an amazing soul. And he did so much on reincarnation. And he went from past life skeptic to past life believer. And there is huge volumes there with other doctors, Poppy. I could go on forever, but I'll only bore you. I honestly, this is why I enjoyed your book so much, because when I was reading about, I think, a physician and his wife, who was a nurse, perhaps, and she came home after recounting these experiences of these death visions, which you talk about in the book. And so as a consequence, her husband was like, we've got to research this. And I had past life 
uh, hypnotherapy. Oh gosh, must have been like five years ago now or something. And it was the most amazing experience as to kind of the different lives I went through. And, you know, you end up going, well, um, was this just my imagination? You try to think of all these different reasons for why it could have been. And then reading your book, you're like, oh, no, I'm not unique in these experiences. There are thousands of people that have experienced memories of past lives. Absolutely. And, and I mean, when I, I surrendered myself, Poppy, to my friend, who was uh, an expert in the field of regression therapy. And I just said, good luck with trying to get me under hypnosis because, <laughs> you know, I even say in where after I sleep with one eye open because I was, I'm always, um, I'm always searching, looking for proof. Even when my brother came to me, Poppy, uh, six months after he died and he had uh, a vision of his own death three weeks prior and, and he was a medical administrator in Harley Street in London. So uh, he had set up the International Red Cross in the Gaza Strip. So he was no wilting violet, you know, but he was extremely psychic. But I have to say to him, you need to come to me three times, Joseph, because otherwise I'm not going to believe you. So when I need validation, I will always look for Poppy three times. Because when I said earlier, we live in a multidimensional mm. universe, as there is so much beautiful light, there is also dark energy out there. Mm. And, you know, when it's stepped down to coming into the physical mind and the human mind, it is so important that we discern where it's coming from. It has to be real and authentic. So there is ways and means of how to do that and exercises to make sure you're getting your, your information from a valid source. I've got some really exciting news. My podcast partners, Platinum CBD, have decided to offer the chance for Not Perfect listeners to try their CBD for free. So all you need to do is pay for shipping. Super easy. So if you want to try Platinum CBD for free to help you sleep, manage stress or sore muscles, then all you have to do is visit coal-care.uk. And the link will be in the show notes too. And choose between a 10 milliliter CBD oil in peppermint or unflavored or the CBD soft gel capsules. Add it to your basket and at checkout, add the code NOTPERFECTFREE. Get your free CBD while stocks last. I also love that in this book, you have written so many different exercises that every reader can do to unlock far more of their wisdom. And this kind of brings me on to, obviously, you come from multi-generational line of healers and uh, mystics and psychics. Do you believe that you're you're born with this skill or do you think that anybody can evolve it? Well, I've been very blessed, Poppy, to be born into it. Uh, and my grandmother was extremely psychic as well. And she had a seventh son of a seventh son, which meant Poppy in Ireland. You could have seven sons, but the, 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 you were not gifted if there was a daughter in between. So her mother had seven sons. And, in, uh, and, and then the next generation with my grandmother, she had seven sons. So the, it was doubly gifted. But in, in saying all of that, I believe we all have a gift, a, a psychic gift, but it's how we develop it. And if we tune in even now through meditation, through visualization, we can shift that limited focus that we have and transcend the physical body through meditation. And many people are doing it now because they're looking beyond themselves and looking inward to see where can they reclaim 
their God, their spirit, their oneness with creation. And the journey within is the hardest, but it's the most beautiful. To go back to reincarnation, there's obviously controversy around reincarnation. And you do address this in the book, because obviously, why would a soul choose to reincarnate into an abusive family or really adverse scenarios? How do you understand reincarnation and also something else that you explore being karmic debt? The reincarnation aspect is, I mean, it's even in the the Sanskrit, it's in the Quran, it's in the Kabbalah, it's in the Bible. It's mm. not that I go too religious into any of them because I feel all religions have been man-made. Mm. But, you know, the, the mention of reincarnation and coming round again to address the wrongs or to correct the mistakes. For me, the huge study by Professor Ian Stevenson was such an eye-opener for me. I mean, over 3,000 interviews he did, not just in one spot. He traveled all over the world. He traveled by plane. He traveled by car, by bus, by sea to interview all these people who claimed to have been in another lifetime and had come round again, in particular children. Children were able to say, no, you're not my mother or no, I was your brother in my last lifetime. Birthmarks and birth defects Mm. were huge as well. The biology of belief. And these indisputable papers that were being presented could not be argued, Poppy. They were, and I mean, the doctors that analyzed these people, including Professor Ian Stevenson, they were indisputable. There was no argument left. And you were asking about the karmic debt. And people have often said to me, in, in particular when I'm running my night classes or workshops, they will say, you know, some people are so cruel, so horrible. And they get away with it. Mm. They really get away with it. In particular, court cases where somebody may have been uh, brutally stabbed or where there was murder uh, or where there was rape and violation of the person. And to see how sometimes justice is not all reserved, unfortunately, unfortunately. But I am always, always reassured by my guides. What you give out in life, it comes back tenfold. And karma is a bitch. It comes back and it bites you on the ass. And nobody, nobody gets away with it. Do you believe that our soul has a set amount of time on this earth that was decided before we arrived here? Or do you think that you can kind of change the path and the course of your life? It's an amazing question, uh, Poppy. And it's one I have I've had to seriously ask my guides many, many times. And what I have been told, and this is like engraved nearly in in the stone of my spiritual self, that every soul chooses its timing. Mm. Every soul chooses its reason for coming and whether it's for a season, a reason or a lifetime. And when I ask what is it about the, the, the reason, it could be as short and as brief as a baby in vitro in its mother's womb. And it could bless anybody who has had miscarriages like myself. But for anybody who has miscarriage, the soul, that little soul just needed to be in vitro in mother's womb, just to touch the earth plane to complete a sacred contract that they had. Wow. And, And yes, 
and it's incredible. Same way, Poppy, with um, people who may have experienced um, stillbirth that I am, because I've asked all of these questions of my guides and the stillbirth means that the, the soul was choosing the wrong, it came in astrologically wrong, the chart was wrong, the sex was maybe not the right sex for it or the timing, there is three different things. So, and that is hard for, um, you cannot say that to a person that has lost their baby. It is, yeah. it's, it is, but from a kind of a spiritual perspective and from spiritual information, it, it kind of makes sense. And then we wonder, then I wonder, Poppy, why so many are living in, in, a, in a mental block where they are, have to be cared for 24-7 where they are mentally non-existent and they're still, the soul still resides within the human body and bless them. And my mother was one of them. I am told time and time again that we family, doctors, carers, they have a lesson to learn. Mm. So I do believe Poppy. Yes, we, the soul has its term of office. It has its term of contract and only when that time is up and then so you, you know, some people would say, why do some die so young? They have mastered the lessons. They only needed that short piece of time to enter the earth plane to finish what they needed to finish. That's really comforting to hear. You've been described as a spiritual midwife. What does that mean? I suppose uh, everyone would be familiar with the term midwife, child midwife. And spiritual midwife is whereas the midwife will deliver the baby into onto the earth. My role is where I will be present for the disengagement of the silver cord. And I, through various ritual and my shamanic background, I hand, I work with the dying and I recoil the chakra systems, which is the energy systems within the body. And that makes it easier for the soul to rise out of the body. But it's lovely to work with, with the dying and to reassure them. And sometimes I'm allowed to do a journey with them, which practically hands them over through the veil into the, into the afterlife. And I can, I'm very blessed, Poppy, in the sense that I can see that the veils between the two worlds, it's like a curtain just opening. And I can see who's stepping forward to bring them home. And I had a beautiful experience, Poppy, with one of my friends whose daughter, Lucy, had been diagnosed with uh, leukemia. Mm. And uh, at nine years of age, she had very successful bone marrow transplant. But at 12, fast forward to the age of 12, she, she becomes ill overnight. And bless her, her prognosis was you know, maybe about six weeks. So beautiful Lucy is, I'm sitting with her mom and, and uh, she's in and out of, of, of a coma and of consciousness. And at one stage, she just wakes up, she taps the mom on the hand and she says, mommy, 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 I've had the most beautiful experience. I've been in the most beautiful place. She said, I've been playing with Peter. And he told me, to tell you, you are not to be sad for me, that he is going to come for me soon. and He's going to take care of me on the other side. Mm -hmm. And the ironic thing about it is, Poppy, 
Lucy never knew she had a brother called Peter because he had died three years before she was born and her mom had never told her. Wow. You know, so the reassurance of that was incredible. I have seen and witnessed such beauty by the bedside of the dying. Oh, I mean, it, it totally changes your, I guess, understanding of being human when I hear these amazing stories. Yes. Your book is incredibly healing for those that have lost loved ones because you provide exercises that you can complete to speak to those on the other side. What's some of your favorite exercises that you find most helpful for people to be able to communicate those that have passed? Mm -hmm. And how do you know if someone is listening? And what do you do if you feel like you're not getting any signs back? People will often say to me, you know, because I run, that's how all of this started many, many years ago, workshops on loved ones of whisper away, helping people to connect with their loved ones in the spirit world. And the, the reality, well, my husband's never came back. I can't, he won't tell me, but he has come to my son or he's come to my daughter. If one of the main blockages that blocks communication is if you are sometimes overwrought with grief, that grief blocks the heart center because the heart center is carrying so much pain. And the heart is the gateway to the other world. And that's why when all this communication happens, Poppy, a lot of the time, it's almost always during our dream and sleep state at night. That's when the ego has got, got out of the way. And dreams are the meeting place between the two worlds. And just like we would say if we hopped on a plane in the morning or took a, a train ride, we would ring somebody and say, listen, I've arrived okay. I'm fine now. The flight was fine. I'm, I'm here. I'm okay. I'll ring you tomorrow. So our loved ones are equally as anxious to get a message to us. And sometimes it does take time because the soul has to readjust on the other side. There is a period of adjustment for the soul, especially if it was unexpected. So it, it takes that little bit longer for them to connect with their loved ones. And there's a beautiful exercise in the book. It's called the Angelic Heart Link, how to connect with your loved one through the heart link. And it's a heart to heart. And everybody can do it. It's as simple, Poppy, as just maybe wrapping a cardigan or a jersey belonging to your loved one just around you, dimming the lights, lighting a candle for the intention of making that connection and playing a little bit of soft music with no words in the background and just ask your angels to connect with your loved one in spirit, bringing an image of them to your mind and into your heart center. And I promise you, if it doesn't happen the first time, it will happen. And the other one of the other exercise, Poppy, that I was guided many, many years ago, write a letter to your loved one. And I mean, the tears poor. I, I do this in my workshops for the last 30 years. And you say, dear, are my beloved the day you died or the night you died? And I, I would always have that typed in. And then the letter continues. And it's an incredible, powerful tool because you can say everything. You can say, I'm angry why you died and left me the way you did. You know, you had left no money. You had an affair. It all came out. You know, it's amazing the healing power of that technique and it's, it's writing. And what I would suggest then is that in time that they will have a fire ceremony. Fire is purification and transmutation. And then to throw in some, some like essence or some sage and burn it. 
And you can keep, you can write as many letters until you feel that your heart is beginning to feel again and to feel a love again because love never dies. The love you shared in this life is brought into the next life. So it's a two way communication and that love never dies. Thank you so much for that. That sounds such a helpful ceremony and the power of journaling always never ceases to amaze me how powerful it can be. You speak about using your angels as guides and communicating with your angels. What is the role of angels and how can we interact with them more? We all have angels. And in particular, we have a guardian angel. And it doesn't matter, Poppy, whether you're religious or not. Angels are non-denominational. They transcend every religion and outdate every religion under the sun. They have been around since time began and they are with us all the time. And then as we evolve on our soul path, sometimes we might need an angel for maybe going when we're going through school or college. And we have an angel of learning, an angel of wisdom. Or then if we're going on a kind of a medical path, we could have one of the ascended masters that would really um, help us with the medical end of things or healing. So there's so many different techniques for uh, getting to know your angels, but also you can just like that with connecting with your loved one, ask your angel to present themselves to you and put on a little meditation and you can ask, what name are you? And the very first time I did that, Poppy, I got Archangel Azrael and I said, who the hell is Archangel Azrael? <laughs> yeah, I said, uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, and I had to look it up. I mustn't. Ironically enough, Archangel Azrael is also the angel of death. Wow. And he works with the transitioning soul. Little did I realize 30 years later, I would be working with him and calling on him when the soul is transitioning. Absolutely incredible. And changing the way that we think about death has been such a huge theme for me this year and we don't really talk about it at all Mm -hmm. and so having um, such kind of wisdom guides like yourself on the podcast is so helpful for all of us so thank you so much for your time. It's been my humble experience to share this time with you Poppy and to your listeners and I bless you and the wonderful work that you continue to do. Thank you for listening. It would be a huge support if you wouldn't mind rating, subscribing and sharing this podcast. I also would love to hear from you. So please find me at Poppy Jamie on Instagram, DM me and I would love to hear your thoughts on any of the topics that we discuss. Download Happy Not Perfect, my app that's designed to boost your mood and help you sleep and give you mindfulness in less than five minutes. It's packed full of science-backed tools and rituals to give your mind the care it needs. Sending lots of love and energy. See you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.